people of God, God brings us together at a time like this for prayer. Prayer is an essential part of our life as believers. It is how we commune and talk and hear God. It's a time both to, to talk to Him and to bring things to Him and to bring our concerns, but it's also a time to hear from our Father. I'm going to uh, pray for a number of issues, and as I pray, I'll stop and, and ask that you pray along with me in your heart. I'm going to read for you God's word this morning from Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You're, you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. So I've been preparing to preach God's word from Psalm 91 for several weeks now. I read the passage numerous times. I studied it. I meditated on it. I tried to marinate in it. Then I started asking questions of the text, and the preaching group gave input on the main themes of the text. Then I utilized a few commentaries from our church library. Now, this Lenten series on the Psalms comes from the Calvin Institute for Christian Worship, and it includes some very valuable commentary from a professor of Old Testament theology. And he mentioned a sermon called The Wings of God by Cornelius Plantinga Jr., who happened at one time to be the president of 
Calvin Seminary. And so I went and read the sermon, and I was moved by it. It answered the questions that I had asked of the text, but it answered them far better than I was answering it. And so I trust this morning that God's word will be truly preached and that you will be truly blessed by this very lightly edited reading of Neil Plantinga's sermon, The Wings of God. One note, uh, he uses the word pinion repeatedly. A pinion is a flight feather. It's the strong feathers that provide lift on a bird's wings. So pinions can be alternately translated not yet. There we go. Opinions can be alternately translated as feathers or as wings. So Psalm 91.4. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. Many adults can recall a certain childhood feeling that has now pretty much faded away. When you're a child, you think like a child and you feel like a child, and when you're an adult, you put away childish things. Well, sorry to say, one of the things we put away as adults is a childhood feeling of security in the nest. It's a sense that you are perfectly safe. You are perfectly protected. It's the sense that somebody else is in charge. In properly functioning homes, children often have this feeling. Adults do not and they miss it. Years ago, there was a show called Candid Camera. I think some of you probably remember this. And on this program, they interviewed a truck driver, 50-ish year old, beefy truck driver, and they asked him what age he would wish to be if he could choose any age. And so he thought about it silently for a few moments. Was he hankering for age 65 and retirement where he could turn in his Kenworth four-and-a-quarter semi-tractor and ride a John Deere riding lawnmower? Or was he yearning for age 18 so he could go back and take a turn that he had missed earlier in life? The trucker thought it over. Suppose he could be any age he wanted. And finally he answered, turning to the interviewer, and he said, I'd like to be three. And three, the interviewer asked, why three? Well, the trucker said, when you're three, you don't have any responsibilities. Right? So what he knew is that when you're a child, and if your family's running the right way, you really don't carry any burdens. Or the burdens are very small. You can go to bed without worrying about which bills are due next week. You don't wonder if the tingling in your leg is a symptom of something worse coming. You don't wrestle half the night with which relative is upset with you because of something you did or didn't do last week. No, you just squirm deliciously in your bed, comforted by the murmur of adult conversations somewhere else in the house, and you hover wonderfully at the edge of slumber, and then you let go and you fall asleep. Now you dare to do this as a child because you expect that in the morning you will be resurrected. You dare to do it because you're sleeping under your parents' wing. Because if parents take proper care of you, you can give yourself up to sleep 
Someone else is in charge. Somebody big and strong and experienced. And as far as a child knows, parents stay up all night, checking doors and windows, driving away marauders. They never go off duty. If something falls over the house, if a shadow falls over the house, or demons begin to stir, or a storm rises, parents will handle it. That's one reason children sleep so well. Their nest is sheltered, and they love it as they should. I think children might be alarmed to discover just how much adults crave this same sense of security. Adults need to be sheltered, too. Some of us have been betrayed. Some of us have grown old and are not happy about it. Some are deeply disappointed that life hasn't turned out the way they expected or hoped. Others have been staggered by a report that has just come back from a pathologist. Still others are unspeakably ignored by people they treasure. Some are simply high-tension human beings, strung as tight as piano wire. To all such folk, the psalmist today speaks a word of comfort. It's one of the great themes of Scripture. God is our shelter. He will cover you with his pinions, And under his wings, you will find refuge. The image here is that of a dove. But for the psalmist, it may have been an eagle. It may have been a hen. In any case, it's a picture of a bird that senses danger and then protectively spreads its wings over its young. For some bird species, this move is so instinctual that a bird senses the approach of a predator or the threat of something falling from above, it spreads its wings out like a canopy. And then the fledglings scuttle underneath for shelter. So Andrew and I were talking about this, and he talked about witnessing this with chicks and hens when his family had chickens earlier in their, uh, their life. The chicks just seek the shelter of mother under the mother hen's wings when they sense that danger. And the psalmist, who has almost surely seen something like this lovely thing, the the psalmist thinks of God. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. The point is that God is our shelter. God is our shelter when the winds begin to howl. The point is that under God's wings, we are defended and protected and perfectly safe. The point is that someone else is in charge, someone big and strong and much more experienced. Someone who never goes off duty. In one of his books, an old CRC pastor named John Timmer told of his experience as a boy in the Netherlands at the start of World War II. German troops had invaded Holland a few days previously, but nobody knew just what to expect. Then on the second Sunday of May in 1940, as the Timmer family was sitting around the dinner table, suddenly they heard the air raid sirens and the drone of German bombers. 
course, everybody was scared out of their minds. Let's go stand in the hallway, Mr. Timmer said. It's the safest place in the house. And then when they got there, he said, let's pray. There's nothing else we can do. Now, John Timmer wrote that he had long ago forgotten the exact wording of his father's prayer, all except for one phrase. Somewhere in that prayer, Mr. Timmer said, O God, in the shadow of your wings, we take refuge. It's a picture of God spreading his wings over us. A picture that the Jewish and the Christian generations have memorized and treasured. Because the phrase invites us to recover our childhood feeling of security in the nest. Or to discover it for the first time if we're working out of a traumatized childhood. It's a special feeling. And only a pretty numb Christian would fail to be touched by it. Still, if you're thinking, one disturbing little question is pricking you. How true is this picture of a sheltering God? How secure are we in the nest? I wonder whether in 1940, on the second Sunday in May, some other Dutch families begged God to spread his wings over their house. I wonder if the bombs of the German Air Force pierced those wings and blew that house and its people to rubble. You see, you read Psalm 91 and you begin to wonder. It offers such comprehensive coverage. He will cover you with his pinions. And under his wings you will find refuge. You will not fear the terror of night or the arrows that fly by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that wastes at midday. Really? I need not fear these things? I can sleep in a dangerous neighborhood with my windows and doors open? I shall not fear the terror of night? My child's fever soars. I shall not fear the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. The viral pandemic rages. Yet I can plunge fearlessly into my work and health care. I shall not fear the destruction that wastes at midday. Really? Is there a level of faith that can honestly say such things, even after all allowance has been made for the fact that Psalm 91 is God's word in poetry? Let's face the truth. Faith in the sheltering wings of God does not remove physical danger or the need for precaution against it. We cannot ignore tourist advisories for war-torn countries or feed bears on camping trips or jump a hot motorcycle over a row of parked cars and expect God to keep us safe. We cannot smoke cigarettes like the Marlboro Man and claim the promises of Psalm 91 as protection against lung cancer. A person who did these things would be a foolish believer and a foolish reader of Psalm 91. You may recall that in Matthew's Gospel, and we heard it this morning, Psalm 91 is quoted to Jesus by Satan. Throw yourself down, says Satan, from the top of the temple. 
After all, it says right in Psalm 91 that he will give his angels charge over you and they will lift you up in, your, in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus replies out of Deuteronomy 6, it's not right to put God to the test. So it seems that God's protection is good for only certain events and some restrictions may apply. Jesus was teaching us that we cannot act like a fool and then count on God to bail us out. Now, some of us have acted like fools and God has bailed us out, but we cannot count on it. And then, of course, some believers get hurt, really hurt, by no folly of their own. Suppose a drunk driver crashes into your family car. Suppose you suffer an injury at work or your parents divorce. Suppose you're not feeling well and you visit a doctor. The doctor sends you to a specialist after running some tests and the specialist runs some other tests. And then the specialist comes back and says, I'm sorry to tell you, but you'll need to get your affairs in order. Whatever happened to the wings of God? Can you get cancer under those wings? Can you get molested by a family member? Can you be killed or knifed by some emotionless teenager? Can you find suddenly one summer that your own 17-year-old has turned into someone you don't know? That everything in your family is careening out of control? Where are those wings? I think that what troubles us is not so much the sheer fact that believers suffer along with everybody else. C.S. Lewis once pondered that. He said, if the children of God were always saved from disaster, from floods, like believing Noah and his family, if every time someone pointed a gun at a Christian, it turned into a salami, if we really had a money-back guarantee against hatred or disease or acts of terrorism, then, of course, we wouldn't have to worry about the churches being filled. Church growth would take care of itself. Our churches would fill with people looking for the benefit plan. There are people like this who want an insurance agent, not Jesus, right? These are people who want a superhero as their protection for security, not God. We already have people becoming Christians because they want to become rich or because they want to become happy. What would happen to people's integrity if becoming a believer really did give you blanket protection against poverty and accidents and poor judgment and consequences of sin? No, it's not the fact that we have to take our share of the world's suffering that surprises us. Our experience and the rest of Scripture have taught us to expect hardship. What worries us is that Psalm 91 tells us not to worry. It says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. This is advertising that sounds too good to be true. In fact, the psalmist says, Because you have made the Lord your refuge, no evil shall befall you. And that statement troubles us, right? Because what about Paul? What about Stephen? 
What about our Lord Jesus himself? He wanted to gather the citizens of Jerusalem as a hen gathers her chicks under his wings. And one day the soldiers took him outside the city and they nailed his wings to a cross. So what is going on in Psalm 91? How are its extravagant promises God's word to us today? Well, what Psalm 91 does is to express one, one of the loveliest, one of the most treasured, but just one of the moods and experiences of faith. It's a mood of exuberant confidence in the sheltering providence of God. Probably the psalmist had been protected by God in some dangerous incident, and he is celebrating this. On other days and in other moods in other and darker seasons of his life, this same psalmist might have called to God out of despair and a sense of abandonment. Remember that when our Lord was crucified, when our Lord shouted at God the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus shouted in astonishment, he was quoting Psalm 22. Despair or astonishment at what can happen to us under God's providence is also an experience that is biblical and natural for us in human life. Psalm 91 gives us only one part of the picture and one of the moods of faith. With a kind of amazement, the psalmist bears witness that under the wings of God, good things happen to bad people. You need another psalm or two to fill in the picture. And to cry out that under those same wings, sometimes bad things happen too. Psalm 91 says that no evil shall befall us. When we have cashed out some of the poetry and added in the witness of the rest of Scripture, what we get, I believe, is the conclusion that no final evil shall befall us. We know that we can believe God with all our heart and yet have our hearts broken by the loss of a child or the treachery of a spouse or the menace of a fatal disease. We know that. Everyone here knows that. And yet generation after generation of saints have known something else and spoken of it. In the mystery of faith, we find a hand on us in the darkness. There's a voice that calls our name, and there is a sheer certainty that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Not in this life and not in the life to come. We may be scarred and shaken, but we are also loved. We are like fledglings who scuttle under the wings of their parent. The forces of evil beat on those wings with everything they have. The arrows and the accusations of the evil one. The falling limbs in the storm rain and hail, everything beats on those wings. And when it's finished, when evil has done its worst, those wings are all bloodied and busted and hanging at wrong angles. 
And to tell you the truth, in all the commotion, we often get roughed up quite a lot too. But no final evil can get to us because those wings have never folded. They are spread out to be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And when the feathers quit flying, we peer out and discover that we are in the only place that has not been leveled. Yes, we have been bumped and bruised and hurt, sometimes badly hurt. But the other choice was to be dead. I mean that the other choice was to break out of the embrace of God. The truth is that if we had not stayed under those wings, we could have never felt the shudders of the body and heard the groans of the one who loved us so much that those wings stayed out there no matter what came. This is the one who protects us from final evil now and in the life to come. The life in which at last it is safe for God to fold his wings. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. It's not a simple truth, but it is the truth. And we ought to believe it with everything that is in us. Please join me in prayer. Holy God, you are our shelter, our refuge and our fortress. You are our God in whom we trust. O Lord, rescue us and protect us, for we acknowledge your name. Answer us, we pray, when we call on you. Be with us in trouble and deliver us and satisfy us with long life as you show us your salvation. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Our response is a another image of